What up, everybody? Welcome to the first ever episode of Ohioverse presented by Deep Dive Sports. I'm super excited to bring you this episode today. Greg is with me today. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? So we are so excited here at Deep Dive Sports to bring you all these new shows, especially this one here, Ohioverse, where we kind of dive into the sporting universe of Ohio, hence the name Ohioverse. So today we're just going to talk about a few topics ranging from the Columbus Crew, the Blue Jackets, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and even a little bit of Olympics talk. I know that sounds crazy because we're talking about Ohio sports, but it'll tie in. Then we'll just give a little bit of sports rundown for the week, and then we'll finish off the show with a little segment here that we like to call Double Take. To start off, we are going to talk about the Columbus Crew. We did kind of just want to hit on the topics of how big it was that they got a win in their last game at Matt Free. So obviously on the 19th, they had a game against Chicago where they won 2-0. Zardes scored both of those goals, which is awesome. He is our big star. And then we just kind of want to hit on the impact of the last three years, how the threat of the crew leaving, us being able to save them, and now we got a brand new stadium that is kind of a focal point of our city. I will kind of hand it over to Greg and and he can give his opinion on those few topics there. Yeah, I think the win was was amazing for the Blue Jackets for that final game. Uh, and many uh, people that I know that were at the game and uh, the energy was probably at its highest that it's been in, in many yeah. years for the people that were there. It was, it was somewhat emotional for some of the people that – I talked to that, you know, that stadium alone brought so much joy and, and so many amazing games, uh, you know, to Columbus that having, you know, it be that last game and then having it be a win. And it's like, you know, I'm just amazing going out on top, uh, you know, the way they did. I was really excited for them. The crew were one of the original founders of the MLS. So that stadium, um, when they call it the historical, you know, Columbus Crew Stadium, that's been there. That was their stadium from the beginning. So it is kind of amazing to see the, you know, over 20 year transition that the that the crew has had in this city and the impact that it's had on. And and you're right, the the emotionalness of it. You know, I, I didn't get a chance to make it out to the game live, but I definitely did watch it. And just feeling that even on your couch was was amazing. Yeah. And it was really uh, one thing that kind of struck me, you know, watching the replay of the game is that, they, uh, you know, Kevin Milano, he's that, you know, the main offseason signing. Um, he, he's missed the first two months of the, the, the season with a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. And they brought him out in the 70th minute. And I was I kept on watching that going like, why, why didn't we just wait? till the new stadium to bring out this new big signing. Why wait till the, you know, 70 minutes in to actually bring this guy out um, and make his debut for the Columbus crew. So that was, that was a little interesting. Yeah. I was, I was wondering that too, but I was, I kind of figured since we were up two nil, the 70th minute, they kind of felt a little safe. Maybe they, they thought throw him out there and kind of let him play for the last 20, 20 or so minutes and let him get acclimated to the team. But it also maybe like, I don't want to say like a humbling experience. He never got to experience where the crew started. You know what I mean? So maybe yeah. that that atmosphere, that emotion, this is what you're fighting for kind of moment that kind yeah. of ran through my head as well when I saw him. I get it. And that honestly could have been his own 
decision. I mean, I know the coach obviously has the say in all you know additions and yeah. substitutions and stuff like that, but you know that could have been that could have been something that he wanted to do. So I just found it interesting. Uh, you know, I've seen other debuts in in you know certain situations, and, and that just seemed out of sorts to me. But uh, you know, perfectly acceptable. Yeah. How do you feel about this transition over the past three years from the point of like the crew were going to move to Austin, they were going to be Austin FC to now where we have this beautiful new stadium downtown. They're building all, they're building all this development around it. And it's kind of a focal point of our city now. Like, how do you feel about this transition? Uh, You know, when it all started to happen, the, one of the first things that came to my mind is that, you know, the crew didn't need Columbus because at the time Columbus didn't act like they needed the crew. And then as these conversations started to happen and as it got closer to the possibility of them leaving Columbus realized they need the crew, mm-hmm. you know, and we need that in, in our city and, and the passion and the, you know, the whole save the crew campaign and people just, you know, I bleed, you know, you know, black and gold and, and it, all that just, it, it really came out in full force that I don't think the crew expected or the owners of the crew didn't mm-hmm. expect. And, and, you know, we did a 180 turnaround of, of getting a new stadium. Um, you know, I think that was, that was a requirement. And, you know, I think that when we had this Huntington park started to, to, to populate of, of that, you know, being something and just finding the space to put it in. Once all those dominoes started to fall in the right place, it just it worked. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you that when it's almost like you don't, you don't know how much you, you know, love or want something until it's gone. And then that idea of not having it there, that idea of not going to a crew game or, people realized that they were more of a soccer fan than what they, they realized. And you could go there. It could be just like a random Tuesday and the stadium would be packed thumping. People would be having fun. It's, it's always been something that somebody that it's always been something that everybody loved to do. So I think when, when they were like, yeah, we might lose them. And the city was kind of like, all right, go have fun. When everybody reacted that way, I think the city was like, okay, we'll invest some time and money into this and we'll make sure that they're here because we know that this is going to be a focal point of our community now. And I think it was a good choice because they did win the championship last year. So, <laughs> but no, I, I just, I, I love the whole thing. I love the whole story of it. I love the whole idea of it. I think that you don't always see like these kinds of things always work. You know what I mean? There's teams that, that move, every so often and their fans, you know, they'll protest it. They'll be like, no, we, we want it to be here, but it doesn't always work out that way. So a lot of times they still move. I mean, you can kind of look at like Oakland. It didn't matter how much the people of Oakland wanted the Raiders to stay. They were going to be able to keep the crew here and to be able to, to be able to have a new ownership group that wants to breed this culture of winning um, in Columbus. I think that that's, that's amazing. Completely agree. You know, and and the re- relocation of the of the stadium, rather than where it is in the suburbs of Clintonville, it's now like a in that downtown area where it's mm-hmm. it's something that it's a destination type. You know, what are you guys going to do? We're going to walk around downtown and we're going to hit 
hit up this bar and we're going to go to the Huntington Park and then we can walk right down the street to the the stadium and it's just mm-hmm. it, it's just amazing it's it's making that whole you know downtown area really revitalized yes i always loved i guess the way that columbus was was built cuz we weren't really a traditional city you know what i mean traditional cities they they build up they're very highly populated within that that center part but we were very much that you know, a, a ton of suburbs all kind of put together and, and to make a city. So to put a stadium there and to put, you know, development in progress to kind of help turn Columbus into that traditional city, I think not only will help it become more of a sports destination, but also, you know, people might take it a little bit more seriously as the powerhouse city that it is. Because I think Columbus is like, what, top 10 in the country for uh most populated cities maybe top 15 so i do think that what they're doing is just trying to make it more of a a sought after destination for free agents whether that's within um the mls or the nhl and then obviously ohio state has kind of become its own powerhouse that it is but i don't think they they they're just on a whole nother level but (laughs) but just to keep it moving we are going to talk about the blue jackets next and kind of talking about that free agent destination they have had probably one of the hardest times out of any franchise that I've really seen in a long time Um, maybe outside of the Bengals and outside of the Browns especially here in Ohio of just either keeping big name players or getting big name players to come here so they've had just this run of I don't want to say mediocrity but that's kind of what it feels like they've patched a bunch of teams together that have barely made the playoffs and they might win the first round or they go out in the first round. And that just feels like what we've gotten over the past five years. And now they're finally in a place where they can either decide to, you know, go through that full rebuild, break it all the way down and build it back up, or they can just continue to do the same thing and try to scrap together pieces here and there so that they can try to make a push for that eighth or seventh seed and make the playoffs. So I know that they have four first round picks. They have two second round picks and three third round picks over the next two years. But again, they're doing some of the similar things where they're in trade talks to get Jack Eichel. Obviously, Eichel's a center with Buffalo and it would help us scoring wise on our team. But I just don't know if we're in a spot to win, even if we bring him in with Seth Jones. So I don't know. What do you think, Greg? Do you think they should just break it all the way down to, you know, the studs and try to build it back up? Or do you think they should try to keep putting patching something together just to try to to win a little bit i think the original intent once the end of season ended was to reload but with seth jones choosing to pursue free agency it's starting to look like it's more of a rebuild than a reload i know that we've had this conversation before in previous podcasts about the culture there and getting rid of tort was a big step, but just replacing him with Brad Larson, who was the assistant for the last seven years, didn't really change the culture. You're you're, yeah. you're on that same level of how things have been done, just with a similar face that's doing it. And, and I don't want to say we're stuck with him till you know 2024, but you know he signed a three-year contract, so we'll see what happens with that. I do think that. With Rick Nash being promoted to, you know, special assistant to the general manager is a big step up. And I think that that having 
somebody like him and having a name like him in that management realm is going to entice intrigue some of the bigger names to say well you know rick nash was one of the best and yeah if he's part of the the organization you know i'd like to learn what i can you know from somebody who played the game at its highest caliber and highest ability so it's kind of my two cents on what we're looking at with the blue jackets coming up in this season the problem with for me going through that full rebuild is we can kind of see what detroit did and they haven't done anything like them breaking it all the way down getting a bunch of draft picks and then trying to rebuild it back up it didn't it didn't work out like i I don't know if it didn't work out but they're just not where they thought they would be five years from that point and i just don't think that i just don't think that as fans or or as, as an organization we can sit there and do that and i i do think that our free agent destination problem is because we haven't we don't have a culture of winning we don't have a culture of consistently making the playoffs we don't have a culture of consistently making it deep into the playoffs and the culture with torts that was built is i don't know if it's i don't know if it's going to be any different or maybe they thought that he was going to be able to change it a little bit be a little bit more of a player coach i don't know and then when they kind of brought in jd when he uh got released from uh, the Rangers. I, I just think that, that they are going to take all these picks. They're going to take some of their younger talent and they're going to try to bring in some guys and go through free agency, bring in some guys and then try to just go out there and see how far they can take it. Obviously, if they can bring in Jack Eichel, I think that would be huge, first of all. But I think their intention was at the end of the season – and then at, at the trade deadline, or a little bit after the trade deadline, like they 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 were going to go through a full rebuild. I think that was their full intention. But now that Eichel's kind of being dangled in front of everybody in the league, and they're like, well, if we can bring him in, then yeah. we have him, and we have Seth Jones, and we have you have Elvis, you have Corpy, and they can hold down the fort. I think that that they sit there and they go, okay, well maybe we make a form a few more moves. And we pick up a few guys in free agency, and then we're right back in the playoff hunt. We're right back where we wanted to be, and we didn't have to go through this awful six-year drought of just not winning. But I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent about it because I want to see him win. I think, like, what was it? Like, it was only three years ago that they made the playoffs and beat Tampa in four. You looked at that franchise, and you were like, they're finally here like this. We have finally have like the hockey team that we've, that we've wanted that could grow into something that could be dominant maybe for a couple years, maybe win a cup, but it just all fell apart because people didn't want to stay here. And I don't know what it is because I don't think Columbus is that much worse than any of the other, you know, obviously it's, it's going to be hard to compete with like New York and Miami and LA, like, I, I get that. You know, <laughs> some of those small market teams that were, you know, Columbus is a small market team. You have to get a free agent that wants to come in and wants to be somebody mm-hmm. that changes the history of Columbus. Like, yeah, you don't, 
want a free agent that's just coming there for the money. You don't want a guy that's traded and didn't really want to come to Columbus, but he's being traded. Mm-hmm. You you need somebody that like wants to look at that and go, Columbus has never done anything. I want to be that guy that comes to Columbus and changes history in Columbus. And that's rare with a lot of free agents and a lot of players that they want to go somewhere and, and change the history. You know, you look mm-hmm. at sports teams throughout the, you know, years and, you know, the perfect example of, you know, um, Kurt Schilling, when he went, he, he could have played for any team he wanted to play um, when he was a free agent in 2004. And he said, I want to be the guy who changes the history in Boston and brings a world series to Boston. Mm-hmm. And that's the mentality that the Blue Jackets have to go after a guy like that that's going to come in and say, you know, I'm going to play my heart out to change the history. And I want to go down in the record books, in the history books, as the guy who came in and helped Columbus win a cup. And this is what I say about hockey. I I just don't think that, like, hockey hockey is similar like to, like, soccer in that, like, mindset of, like, I want to bring something – I want to bring winning to a certain place that is not necessarily known for winning. Those two sports in America just aren't known for that because a lot of the players that we get, they don't necessarily come from the United States. They come from other countries. When you talk about hockey, they're coming from Canada. They're coming from Russia, other countries in Europe. When you talk about uh, soccer, they're, we're getting a lot of players from over in Europe. So like, it's a lot easier for you know american football and baseball to be able to have that because you have direct talent that's basically i don't want to say developed but that's pretty much what they are they're developed from a young age all the way up until they get to the pros i think for the blue jackets they almost have to i think if if they're going to tear down and rebuild something it should be it should be that front office like ownership needs to take a, a good hard look in the mirror and they need to look at what the crew did and they need to change the the culture from the top down and then they need to be willing to spend money because that's what the crew did they changed the culture from the top down they spent some money and they put a they put a team on the field in a year turnaround that went out and won a championship so now the columbus crew is mls champions and that's known across the world. So now across the world, players know, hey, they're willing to spend money. They got some good players. They're a champion of their league, whether or not people think that the MLS is actually competitive with other leagues in the world. Players see that. So that's what that's what the Blue Jackets need to do. They need to change the – they need to rebuild the culture from the top down, and then they need to be willing to spend money. And I, I wish they would have done that before they – cleared house at the trade deadline and then at the end of the season because they had some good talent on that team. If they would have just brought some different people in who had different ideas on how to use them, I think maybe we wouldn't have to answer this question of rebuild or reload. You know what I mean? Like you said, when you change the culture, Brad Larson isn't a change in the culture. I don't know what else to say to that, that you want – it to be a place that people want to come play. And mm-hmm. again, we have, I know we've had this conversation before in previous podcasts that, that the culture is, isn't great in Columbus, unfortunately. I understand Yarmo is like, 
everybody thinks he's this really good GM, but I don't know. We've, we've had him for how many years and we're kind of, we're back where we started when he got here. So I just like, I, at some point you got to be like, maybe we try somebody else, <laughs> you know, like, I don't care if it's, just, you know, Bob off the street, like try somebody else. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't. I'll, I'll be Bob off the street. Let me try out. Right. We'll, we'll go, we'll go around the, <laughs> the front office of the blue jackets. It might be a little bit worse than Yarmo, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like, it's, it's crazy to me. Like, they're, they're almost it's almost like they followed like you know the the Bengals method when they had Marvin Lewis for like what was it like almost 20 years and you're just okay with the mediocrity for 20 years as ownership just because you because you know that people are going to still pay and come watch the games and you're going to make money and at some point you got to sit there and be like all right I want to win <laughs> I, I don't know maybe maybe they don't maybe they're just comfortable making money and then once the money starts drying up and they'll sit there and be like all right let's make changes but yeah I don't know. I could talk about this for a long time, but probably should move on. Yeah, we only, we only have a limited uh, hour show, so that is true. <laughs> but let us know what you guys think. You know, should the Blue Jackets rebuild? Should they just reload? Do you think maybe it's time for a top to bottom clean house? Just let us know. Move on to the next topic. We are going to talk about another franchise that has kind of been struggling the past couple years. Obviously, you can see the common denominator. When LeBron is not in Cleveland, the Cleveland Cavaliers are at the bottom of the league. So what is it that they need to do to become competitive again? Do they need to make a big splash, a big trade, or do you think they just stay the course and try to keep collecting you know, top five talent every year in the draft and, and hope something sticks? What do you think, Greg? I think they need to do three things. Uh, number one is say thank you and goodbye to Kevin Love. He is in year <laughs> two of his four-year, $120 million contract. It's the and worst thing if you, I've ever witnessed. In and life. if you can get rid of $60 million in cap space, um, you know, he's already said he wants to play in Portland. Um, so hey, get rid of him. Move yeah, on. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's kind of the bottom line with that. It's just, it's, it, yeah, we tried, guess what? It didn't work. Let's move on. Um, yeah. If you, if, if I could, I would, you know what though, not to interrupt you, but on the Kevin Love thing, he, but you did. I know I did. I'm sorry, but he has made me so mad <laughs> that I would just give him to Orlando for a dollar. Like, I don't know if you could do that, but I would ship him to basketball purgatory in Orlando for a dollar like go have fun in orlando not doing anything for a dollar sorry continue <laughs> well i mean maybe they'll listen to this and take that to heat i don't know uh second to, thing to heat to they'll heat. take it they'll take it to heat. nice nice well nice <laughs> okay well what do you do with that um <laughs> anyways moving on the second thing they need to do is take advantage of that number three pick that they got in the lottery earlier this week. The The top three players that I see them possibly getting, uh, I say the two Jalen's and the Evan Jalen green, you know, part of the G league. He's a fluid scorer, uh, explosive athlete. You know, he's definitely there. Evan Mo, um, Mobley of USC is the best two a man in his draft class. Like, He's amazing. 
And then obviously Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. We all saw what, you know, they did in Mm -hmm. the NCAA tournament. And so those are really with the top three picks with the top or the third pick, they have the ability to get one of those three guys. And I think that that any one of those three guys would be an asset to the, you know, an immediate change to, to the team. The third thing I would do is uh, extend Sexton and uh, Jared Allen. I know a lot of people say you said Colin Sexton and it's like, like it or not, he's good. He averages 24.3 points a season. Um, That's similar stats to Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker. Extend those guys, give them a a contract that they are going to want. And then they're going to want to play for the Cavs. You know, they do do those three things and there's a plausibility that you you can start getting back into those winning seasons with the Cavs. Okay. I do. I do like a few of those. Obviously Kevin Love's got to go. I think that what's they for a dollar for a dollar. I like literally, I think that you can do that or I don't know. I'm not a GM, but if I could do that, that's what I would do. I would only ask for a dollar and I, I don't even care only partially because people would be like, you didn't get anything back. I was like, it's the disrespect fact. I want to disrespect you because you disrespected me. Have a good day. You've made it uh, evident you don't want to play here. So like in rudely evident, I understand that he's been a champion for mental health and I I applaud him for that and, and what he's done with that and how he's helped people. This has nothing to do with his philanthropic side of his life. This has everything to do with his, the way that he conducts himself on the basketball court and in a Cavaliers uniform. And he was given all that money to kind of help these young players and build them up so that to this point, like last year, they should have been an eighth seed in the playoffs. They should have felt comfortable enough to keep Andre Drummond and to have him and Kevin Love and Garland and Sexton on the floor together um, and play basketball and win games. And he made it so that that wasn't possible. So they had to blow blow it up at the trade deadline. But Kevin Love's got to go. I, How many times can we say that in this episode? <laughs> I'll try to stop. But <laughs> but Kevin Love's got to go. <laughs> anyway, I do I do find the Colin Sexton thing interesting only because i think and with what everybody's saying cade cunningham is supposed to be legit yeah but he's he's going to detroit so but if you're the Cavs, you're trying to be as good as you possibly can so you have the number three pick colin sexton wants a max steal and to be honest he's a good player and i think he could develop into a, a decent player but I don't think he's a max deal kind of player. I think you take that third pick, you take Colin Sexton, and you ask Detroit, what else do you need? We're not giving you Garland. We're not giving you Jared Allen. Everybody else is fair game. Hopefully they take Kevin Love. If they don't, he can go somewhere else. But I think that you get that number one pick, you take Cade Cunningham, that fills out your, your three spot, your three or four spot, however you want to play him, And now you have Garland, who is kind of proven to be 
the point guard that they wanted Sexton to be. Obviously, Sexton is more of a scorer, but he's a little undersized to play that two spot. So now you have Garland playing the one. You can have Cade playing the three, and you can have Jared Allen at the five. And now you just got to fill out the rest of the roster. And I think that, you know, after next year of them playing together, year two of Cade Cunningham being on that team, I think that's a playoff team, depending on how you do in free agency. That's that's probably what I would do. Obviously, there is no – I mean, Cade Cunningham could turn out to be a bust. We've seen it time after time. And Colin Sexton could go – we could ship him to Detroit, and he could become the savior of the Detroit Pistons and take them to the promised land. But I think at this point you got to do something bold. you got to – I don't know. I just – I, I like, like you said, Sexton's numbers are right up there with some of our – like really good young stars, but I just don't think that I don't think having that small of a, of a two guard in the league now is really, is really where we're going. Cause he, he just, isn't really, he's, he almost reminds me of like Kyrie. Maybe he has a little bit better of an attitude than Kyrie, hopefully, but it reminds me oh. of that. Like I really need the ball in my hand playing ISO ball and I'm not really going to move it. And in today's league, you need to be able to move the ball unless you have two or three other guys besides you that can get their own shot like the Nets had. But at the same time, like I said, that could probably be a bad idea because maybe Cade Cunningham turns out to be Ben Simmons and he doesn't shoot a layup and passes it instead. So <laughs> I don't know. We could have a whole episode just on, on Ben Simmons' inability to score. Oh, my gosh. I you know, it's not even the inability to score. It's like he reminds me of Andrew Wiggins in that, like, he just doesn't want to try sometimes. Like, you can see it. Like, he just doesn't put in any effort. And I don't I don't know what it is. It's, it's either, you know, afraid of failure or that he just doesn't want to play for the team. So he's going to do whatever it takes to not play for the team. You know what I mean? Like, I just I think I think guys like that are comfortable. They have their $100 million deal or so. They have all their brand deals. They're set for life. A lot of these players, when they come out of college, they get hooked up with these, you know, these people purposely because they're trying to help them be smart with their money. But they, they get hooked up with these financial people that, that help them set up their life so that they'll never have to work a day in their life if they don't want to when they get out of the league. So I just think they get comfortable and they get complacent. And I don't know how you fix that. And especially when you think about it in like the younger generations now, social media is so huge. Like you look at Tyler Hero, he exploded in the bubble, right? This season, nowhere to be found. Where was he though? He was taking Instagram pictures. He was doing influencer events. He was doing all these kinds of things. And he was okay with that, but he wasn't putting any work on his game. He didn't improve. He, he went from a... 25 to 28 minute you know as a rookie down to where he was barely playing seven minutes a game in the playoffs like that's crazy yeah so i mean and you know what to your point sexton seems like he has that drive he wants to win he wants to play hard we have he obviously hasn't gotten his money yet but he wants to win so maybe you're right maybe give him his extension he wants to be there he wants to win. Let's keep people that want to win in Cleveland instead of shipping them off. One last thing, though. Get rid of Kevin Love. 
<laughs> He's got to go. I just don't. I When I look back at those teams that made the finals four years in a row, except for the last year, because I don't know what deal LeBron made with somebody, but he turned into a superhuman. But the other three years, they don't win the championship in 2016 without Kevin Love. They don't make the finals without Kevin Love the rest of those years. But when they gave him that contract, I was like, why would you do that? Because you've handcuffed yourselves. He can't stay healthy. He clearly doesn't. He, the only reason that he was there was because he got to play with LeBron and Kyrie, and he knew, hey, they're going to take me to the promised land. All I got to do is do my part, and they're gone. And you're going to be like, you're going to be a staple of our franchise, but you can't play more than 40 games a season. It was just, I, it's a cautionary tale. Yes. If anybody who's listening to this podcast out there is going to own a sports franchise, do not make the decisions of what happens to your team. Hire somebody who knows what's going on. Because when David Griffin traded Kyrie and then he gave Kevin Love that extension before they brought in a GM – that was two of the worst moves in franchise history outside of when he drove LeBron James away twice, not once, twice, arguably the best or second best player in NBA history. You had him twice. You drafted him and then he came back and he left twice. <laughs> like, come on, you're killing me. And then you traded Kyrie away for used band-aids and a bag of potato chips and then Colin Sexton. And then you signed, I don't even want to play Kevin Love. I'm like, what the disaster? He should sell the team. But anyway, oh man, goodness gracious. Anything else you want to say on it before? No, I think we should move on. Okay. Before we move on though, Kevin Love's got to go. Agreed. Now onto a fun topic. I saw this in the news the other day and I was like, this is super interesting. This is awesome. This is crazy. And I just wanted to gauge how big you kind of thought it was, Greg. So on the 15th, a man by the name of Hunter Armstrong, who is a junior at Ohio State, um, he transferred there his sophomore year from uh, WVU, West Virginia University. And... He competed in the 100-meter backstroke for the Olympic qualifiers, and he finished 0.15 seconds behind the 2016 gold medalist, Ryan Murphy. So both of them qualified for the – it's 2021, but the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo. And it's crazy because I was reading this, and they said the last time an Ohio State's men's swimmer represented Team USA at the Olympics – it was in the 1956 Olympic Games in Melbourne, Australia, where they had, a, I think it's Ford Kono, George Oneka, Yoshi Oyaka, and Albert Wiggins. And they were a part of, you know, they were from Ohio State, and then they competed in, you know, the swimming events at the Olympics. So, I mean, we're talking like, what, 70 years? Almost 70-year drought of not having – uh, a men's Ohio state swimmer in the Olympics. And I just was like, I thought it was already cool 
that an Ohio State athlete made the Olympics, but then kind of hearing that background. And when I was reading the article on it, apparently he was losing like really bad. And then when they got to the turn, he was in like 17th place, they said, or something like that. And he, like they said, for whatever reason, he just kicked it into another gear. And he even said it. He's like, he's like, I thought I was doing better than what I was doing. And he said, when I went to turn, everybody was in front of me. And he's like, I've never even felt that gear before. I just started swimming. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's definitely interesting. I hope he does well. But do you think that this is big? Do you think it's just like, oh, cool, another sports story? Or what do you think? I mean, I, I'm kind of. I think it's big for him. I think it's big for swimming. I don't necessarily think it's a big thing for Ohio State because they produce a lot of Olympic athletes, uh, over 200 Olympic athletes. Obviously, in those most notably uh, Jesse Owens, who mm-hmm. won four gold medals in the 36 Berlin Olympics. So I, I think it's a big thing for him and his family and, and the, the world of swimming, just not you know, Ohio State's been there, done that, and, and I don't think they're going to put out the fanfare. Now, if it comes back the medal, that's one thing, but but going to and qualifying for is, is I guess, another topic where, you know, don't celebrate too quickly. I'm happy that he's there, but he still needs to produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in all, out of those 200, only um, 48 Ohio State athletes have combined for a total of 77 medals. 33 gold, 28 silver, and 16 bronze. So only 25% of those 200 athletes that were from Ohio State actually came back with medals. So, um, you know, being my grandfather played in, in uh, the 1928 Olympics, or great-grandfather, I'm sorry, played in the 1928 Olympics. And so obviously it's a big deal. Uh, he played for the soccer team, for the U.S. men's soccer team, by the way. Okay, I didn't even know that. That's, yeah. First of all, that's rude because I never knew that. That's a whole story in itself. Yeah, we could have a whole separate uh, episode about that. Um, yeah, came back with that's the participation. Amazing. Came back with the participation medal. This and the other. So uh, again, it's it's a huge accomplishment to get there, um, and I'm not taking anything away from it. Just mm-hmm. uh, you know, work's not done. Let's let's get yes. the work done, and then then we can celebrate. And that's the kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. I, I only, I only considered it kind of a big deal just because of, like I said, like the drought of Ohio state swimmers and the Olympics on the men's side. So I, I think that, like you said, he's still got to go out there and compete and not embarrass himself or, or embarrass, you know, the Ohio state university's name. But another part of that article said that, that he was like, in practice his uh, when he transferred in his sophomore year like he was always last barely able to compete with everybody else and he put in so much work from then to this point that he made it to the olympics and that was part of just part of this whole story that like i hope when he gets there that he's able to if he doesn't win a medal at least like come close i think that that would be amazing and then you're right then i guess we could sit there and be like yes this is a big deal, <laughs> but maybe we'll tamper our, our excitement for a little bit. 
Yeah, we'll have an episode. When he comes back with the medal, we'll have an episode yes. about that. So, so, but it's definitely, I, I, I just thought it was a little bit different. It was interesting. It was a cool, like, little feel good story and, and definitely something for everybody to look out for. So, when you're yeah. watching the Olympics over the summer, look out for Hunter Armstrong. I believe they said he does diving and then the 100 meter backstroke. He might do a couple other things by the time they get there, but watch out for his name. So I think he is from Ohio. I forget where they said in Ohio he was from, but I know he is an Ohio boy. So that's pretty cool too. Just to finish off this episode, I did want to do a quick sports rundown and then go into our segment that we call double take this week. The reds had a few games on Tuesday. They did beat the twins 10 to seven. We are recording this episode um, right now on the 24th. I think they're in a game right now against the Braves, and they do play another one tomorrow on the 25th. They're both at home, so make sure to look out for those. And then the Reds are sitting at third in the NL Central, in case you wanted to know. The Indians are sitting at second in the AL Central. They did lose to the Cubs on Tuesday 7-1. to one. That one was kind of a stinger, but they are playing the Twins tonight, and then tomorrow they are in Minnesota. So I don't know if they'll air that one on TV, but you can try to catch it if it's out there. And then the crew, obviously, the other day on the 19th, they did beat Chicago 2-0, but then on Tuesday they lost to Philly 1-0, and they are playing um, Austin FC, the team that they were supposed to be, on the 27th at 8 p.m. in Austin, and then their first game at the new stadium will be on July 3rd at 5 p.m. So I think they're pretty much already sold out almost for the new stadium. So you might have to catch that one on TV if you haven't already bought your tickets, but definitely tune in. I think the atmosphere is going to be amazing. I think they're going to be looking for another win because I don't think they want to start off their tenure there or lifetime there with a loss. So they should be playing pretty hard. They should have all their guys out there and it should be a fun game to watch, but we are going to go into our segment called double take. This is just a cool little segment where each of us are going to kind of give a, give an opinion on something that we think will happen in the sporting world over the next couple of weeks before we meet again, it could be anything across the world um, in any kind of sport. And then we're just going to kind of give a crazy little, thing that we heard about or that happened to us over the past week um, just to kind of have fun with that. So I will let Greg give his one thing that he think will happen over the next two weeks in the sporting world. Going out on a limb, but I believe the Hawks will beat the Bucks four to one on uh, unnecessary sweep. Trey Young is a beast. He put up 48 points, even with Giannis almost putting up a triple double last night. The, the little guy, Trey Young, is just amazing. And mm-hmm. I think that the, the Hawks will beat the Bucks um, in uh, four games to one and move on to the NBA championships. I could agree. I I just think that Trey is way better than, than the both guards that they have. I mean, Chris Middleton and Holiday, they're not scrubs, but I just think that Trey Young is – he's just too crafty. He's too good. Um, and – they have Clint Capella and John Collins that can switch back and forth and take care of Giannis in the paint if they need to. So obviously Giannis is going to get his, but if they can slow him down a little bit um, and if the rest of the team can play pretty decent defense, then yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think Hawks in five or six is, is where we're looking at in the next couple of weeks. 
I think what we'll see by the time we meet next, because by then probably should at least have, if that, if that's your prediction, if your prediction is Hawks and five, my prediction is Suns and four. So by the time we meet next, we might be in the finals. Maybe. But I, I, I think that I think the Suns are going to take care of the Clippers. Chris Paul's coming back. Kawhi doesn't look like he's going to play. I think they're keeping his injury. I don't, you don't even know if they said what his injury is yet because I haven't even heard about it. So I don't think he's coming back, though. <laughs> I don't know. So they're bringing back Chris Paul, and I think it's over. Suns and four, have a good day. The Suns and four guy, he's got merch, everything. It's already destined. Have a good day. But I think we'll is be that, in the is, – Is that your one thing that will happen in the sporting world, the Suns and four, or you got something else? No, that's that's my thing, Suns and four. I think by the right. time we meet next, it's going to be – I think you're right. I think it's going to be Suns, Hawks in the finals. And I think by the time we meet next, we'll have already had game one, and the Suns will have won game one. That's my thing over the next two weeks. Now, we could be completely wrong. Both of them could go to game seven. And we could be sitting here with egg on our face. I don't know, but <laughs> but I do. I, I think Suns in four, and then Suns win game one of the finals by the time we meet next. That's my check back next time. Heck yeah! All right, give us a crazy thing that you heard or something crazy that happened to you over the past week. So obviously, you know, I looked on the internet. And I said, typed in crazy things that happened. You know, crazy stories, crazy. Just I wanted to see what would actually pop up, and I was hoping yeah. nothing, you know, inappropriate popped up or anything like that that I would have to scrub my computer afterwards. But one thing I did <laughs> find was that there was a 2016 attack on a boy from an alligator in Walt Disney World, and since then, Walt Disney World has put a bounty out on gators. And over 250 alligators have been caught by trappers since 2016. And each gator that they get, not only does Walt Disney World pay them $30 for the gator, but then they also get to keep the proceeds from the leather and the meat sold from the gator. So each gator that they're free reign to go in and, and catch as many as they can, they're probably getting two, 300 bucks per gator, if not more. It was like, I just thought that that was amazing. Is this, this, this is in Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those, those Floridians, they will hunt down as many gators as you want them to. That's amazing. I didn't realize that. That's pretty lucrative. I mean, yeah. like $30 per gator and you get yeah. to keep all the proceeds like of whatever you sell the gator meat and gator skin for. Holy crap. Yeah. Easily make a living doing that. Yeah, I mean, you could just sign a contract. Like, right now, boom. Good. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't be able to catch a gator. I could try, but they, they might get me before I get them. I'm going to take one with me, though. You believe that? <laughs> That's okay. That's kind of a little bit more interesting than mine, but I like that. What do you got, then? Well, I saw in the news because I was, you know, obviously looking up Ohio sports news. And I think it was like the first game that um, the Reds allowed fans back in the stadium was that Joey Votto got kicked out because of a fight. <laughs> and there was some fan that this little girl, she was her first baseball game ever. And she was just 
I guess they took a video of her crying and stuff and Joey Votto gave her like a bunch of gear and, and apologized to her on Twitter and everything. So I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, he got to fight somebody, got kicked out. And then he did a nice thing. And that girl had a little bit better of an experience at a baseball game at a Reds game to say the least. Cause I don't really see how you can have that good of an experience at a Reds game, but um, the stadium is, is amazing. <laughs> if you've not been the great American, it is, there is it's, not a bad seat in the house. It is a really good stadium. I would give you that. I, I, I have liked being there watching baseball games, but just talking about the Reds in general, <laughs> but I thought that was pretty cool. So like I said, mine's not as interesting as hunting gators, but I need to go bigger go home. Joey Votto did sign a baseball and give it to a little girl who was sad. So I'm pulling on the heartstrings here. Let us know how you think about that, guys. What, what was my story better? It was Nick's. <laughs> Start or, a competition to see who can get the best story. Or would you just rather us talk about how Kevin Love needs to be gone? Uh, that that's that's true. Maybe he Maybe. should go catch gators. God, he'd probably make about the same amount of money. He just wouldn't put any effort into it. He'd walk around and be like, mm. they'd be like, well, we're paying you. And he's like, I just don't want to do it anymore. You know? yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to do it here. Can I do it somewhere else? Like, and they're like, ah, I don't Portland? know. Portland? Portland doesn't have gators? Portland doesn't have gators. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, we're off topic. All right. <laughs> anyway, again, I'm going to echo the beginning of this episode. I cannot stress how happy I am, how happy the rest of us are that that we've had this much support for, since January from everybody that we've been able to be in this spot where we can give you guys all these different kinds of shows and, and have fun with it and just continue moving forward. If there is anything that we're not doing that you want us to do, let us know. If you want to be like, hey, I love what you guys are doing, we'll take that too because we do love words of affirmation builds us up makes us happy heck yeah but again thank you so much the first ever episode of ohio verse i had a fun time did you have a fun time greg i had a blast let's do this again ohio all the way heck yeah so thank you guys as always we are deep dive sports until the next ohio verse episode hey everyone thank you for listening if you would like to hear more Feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.